Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunt, Brian Christofferson. Gentlemen, how are you on this Wednesday afternoon? I'm all right. I didn't know we were supposed to wear hats with giant objects on them, though. You have a you have a big Runza hat with a wearing, giant Runza. Wearing a Runza hat. Did you guys have those when you worked there? <laughs> no, I wish we did. I, I kind of wore it just to get Brian a little fired up about Runza. It's been a few episodes since he talked about his experience working at Runza, and so I thought this might, you know, push it a little. No, I don't want to work my way back to that. You don't? People have already heard how I didn't wash my shirt for like six months and things like <laughs> that. We don't have to revisit all of that. I When I opened the box, so I, I bought this the same time that we got our mystery hats, I... Uh, I don't know why the logo just really made me laugh. Like I knew what I was getting, but then you open that box and like the first thing you see is this big Runza logo. It's a nice hat. Yeah, we'll is, that a, is that a snapback? Is that what the no, kids are wearing these days? It's, a, it's fitted. Okay. It's a flat. Yeah. It's a flat bill Runza hat. Though. Yeah. I like that too. <laughs> I think it did pretty cool. If I if I may say so. When, when did you get it? What do you mean? I, this is the first time I've seen you wear it. When did you? When did you? I, I bought it the same day we did the mystery hat. Okay. Man. Because then I was like, I was like, I wonder if they still have any of those Runza hats. And then I found it online and went ahead and bought one. So. Nice. And then Brunce has a Hartford Whalers hat on. Yeah. It's a big whale. Big mammal with the ERS. Very friendly looking whale. And it yeah. says Urs yeah. at the end. Yeah. Which, the, the thing I don't understand about that logo is, weren't the whalers the one that were, you know, killing the whales? Yes. So why is that whale so damn happy? That's how everything. Did you not know he's go about to die? That's how everything was in the seventies. Everything, <laughs> everything com- was just happy, comically happy. I I don't know if that's true. The 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 great part about what we did though was a particular hat company. We're not going to give them their any pub unless they're paying for it. But a hat company that sells hats online had a special they were doing for National Hat Day last week, where if you purchased a hat, you also got a hat out of the mystery box. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you sold the hell out of that mystery box. Because if there's anything that I will immediately jump at, it's like a random shirt, a random hat picked by somebody else, like just like a lottery type thing. And I purchased the, we all did, all purchased the mystery mm-hmm. hat. You, ta- you kind of talked us into it. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, it was one of those sales pitches like, <laughs> for, for 25 bucks, you're getting two hats. Yeah. That's a good deal. So I think you might be working for that. Company, yeah, yeah actually. I, I'm getting some kickbacks. <laughs> so Schaefer's shows up first. You bought a Cleveland Indians hat, which we knew about. And you, you that one's fine. I like that. You hat. got your mystery hat. Then mine came to my Hartford Whalers hat came today along with the mystery hat. BC's is somewhere. Well, BC bought a shirt, but I okay. still get the hat. You get the hat, but perhaps they're still sewing my shirt. Yours so is I yours got is that. TBD because yeah. you you might have a hockey sweater. Is that right? You get a hockey sweater? No, I did not get a hockey sweater. Okay. I did make a joke that I was going to buy okay. like one of those $110 hockey sweaters that uh, people wear and look ridiculous in. Sorry if some people out there... How many people can fit in a medium hockey sweater with BC? Because oh, those man. things are so oversized. Yeah, that's it would true. Look, it would be such a joke. Maybe like a kid's large. Could you that? If I wore that thing, though, to like a practice, it would be worth like what... Scott Frost would say he'd have to say something. He, he acknowledged your Montreal Expo shirt. He did. Right? He did. He he liked it, or I thought he did. And he that's said, why Brunts, nice. That's why Brunts went with the Whalers hat. Yeah, I've been eyeing it for a while, um, and finally 
pulled the trigger. And with I the think you wanted hat. to make yourself feel better by getting everybody jazzed about the mystery hat. That's true. So, so yet, that way we were all spending money. Yesterday, mail arrives. Cleveland Indians hat with a uh, Washington Redskins hat, and I have to say, it was incredibly disappointing. You pull out the 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 Indians hat. I was happy with it. It looked good. Look back in the box. See that kind of uh, maroonish color, and I'm like, what minor league baseball team is this? Pull it out and look at it, and it's like, oh, it's a Redskins hat. See, yeah. I, my, mine came today, and it was the same thing where the Whalers hat was on top, and they had the mystery hat underneath. Yeah. It's same, like they know. Same maroon-colored hat. I was like, this better not be a damn Redskins hat. <laughs> uh, it turned out it was an Arizona Cardinals hat, which was equally as disappointing, although... If it was a Phoenix Coyotes hat, I'd have been excited about that. Yeah, I, any random hockey hat I would have liked. I would um, have been happy with like a, you know, a bullet slash Wizards hat, or Capitals, like a Charlotte Hornets hat, or you know, a, a funny looking Orioles hat. I would have liked. You know, if you're going to give me something from that region, instead I get the Redskins, which. Eh. So the my takeaway from this whole thing is that I'm all in on on the Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury era. In Arizona. Mm-hmm. That or you're a big Josh Rosen guy after seeing him in person several years ago. Yes, I'm not. No. <laughs> I you, pro- you don't wish the Broncos would trade for him? Nope. Wow. I proposed before you saw your hats that we could trade them. Man, now you but don't want to. I, I don't think that's going to end up happening. No, you're scared to death that there's like a Tennessee Titans hat waiting on your doorstep right now, aren't you? Yeah, what random NFL team is Brian going to get? Yeah. I, I would take a... Like a Jaguars? Well, I do own a Houston Oilers hat, which is one of my best hats, and I would take one of those if if they wanted to give me a throwback as a replacement for what I have. But I'm trying to think of who would be random enough that you would get that you wouldn't be particularly an NFL team. Yeah, that's that's a good question. That's a good question for everybody out there. If if whoever your team is, who's the one team if you got a hat of, you'd be like, oh, okay, I'll I'll wear it, or baseball. There's some the baseball NFL teams. hard because I just don't – I don't know if there's a team that I'd have been like, oh, yeah, I'd wear this hat. I could do it with Major League Baseball because I like – I don't know what it is. Like if if I got a Seattle Mariners hat, I would wear it just because I like the logo. <laughs> would you wear it backwards like Griffey? Yeah. It would probably ultimately be, be a disappointing hat, though. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the resident humor. Seattle Mariners <laughs> troller on the podcast, Michael Bruns, weighing in. So that's the hat talk. Um, should we talk sports? I guess there's Nebraska things <laughs> we, we could probably discuss. Sports. Yeah, we even got some whaling in there. I get a little nervous when we get to the seven minute mark and we're still bantering. Well, last week I jumped right into the conversation and everybody was scared there'd be no banter. I'm just a nervous guy. We found it though. Yeah. Well, yeah, I knew it was going to be there all along. <laughs> you, you guys just didn't it. trust. You believed me. in it all along. I would think after years of guiding this podcast to award winning glory that there would have been more trust. But, uh, One last question about your hat that you're wearing right now. Has, <laughs> yes. has anybody, Nobody can see. Has anybody outside? Have you worn it outside of Nebraska? No, I just I just got it like today. Oh, it okay. just came in the that. mail today. Okay. And I I was gonna drive over here and I checked the mail and I saw that it was in there and I was like, well, I better wear it. Okay. Nobody will appreciate it more than I wanted to know if somebody had asked you yet why I'm wearing a hot pocket. What it is? Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I. I will wear it. Hot pocket, uh, <laughs> real strong mustard. 
Oh, I will. I will wear it outside the state and get back to you. Okay. With that, I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to bend it. I don't know if I want the the flat bill look on it or not. I don't. I don't mind the flat bill. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of it kind of fits for some reason. Yeah. All right. Well, runs a flat bill. Maybe we'll leave it. Ricky Fowler would love that hat. <laughs> they ever make? Scratch- he might actually win a golf tournament if he wore this hat. Hey. They ever make scratch and sniff hats? Is that a thing? Could you get like a little like whiff of Runza? Well, yeah, I mean BC wore one for however, however long he worked at Runza. The grease was baked in his clothes. He didn't even have to scratch. Does that guy smell like cabbage <laughs> at the airport? Mom. All right, well, speaking of uh, the speaking airport, speaking of smelling like cabbage, yeah. Nebraska hosted several visitors over the weekend. Demarion Houston, John Bivens. Both went back to their respective homes, one in Dayton, the other in Oklahoma City, happy with what they saw in Lincoln, but maybe not necessarily having the green light to join the Huskers. What do you guys make of this back end of the cycle? There's about a half dozen to ten targets out there that Nebraska could walk away with, and it's really hard to project even two weeks out who they're going to end up with because you don't really know what the pecking order is because it seemingly changes day by day other than you know they want an outside linebacker. So you've got basically four chairs in the middle. Is that fair? Four chairs? Yeah. I mean, if they they could possibly only take three if they want to hold over for a grad transfer. But So so four, maybe three, depending yeah. on who, who sits down four first. Four chairs, one can turn invisible. Gotcha. Um, I mean, we talked about it last week that it's – I think good planning on Nebraska's part uh, that they are to this point where they're not rushing to to fill their class. But I mean, it is going to be a little intriguing to see how it how it kind of finishes out, and also you know if Nebraska is able to check their needs because you you said you know you need an outside linebacker, they'd love a wide receiver, maybe a cornerback if they can get it. And then there's these other guys that are kind of in this best available pot who suddenly get the green light. If it's there, there's dominoes are kind of falling, but they're all just still kind of standing there waiting to be pushed. I feel like yeah, it's a it's a weird situation because I don't know if there's like one person that's just gonna set off a chain of events. Like you you see sometimes in recruiting uh, where one guy's commitment to another school sets off like a run at a position. I don't even know, like, I think the next person that's going to make a decision out of this group is is Charles Njoku, the wide receiver out of New Jersey. And that could happen as early as this week. Um, he's set to host Nebraska and UCLA this week. Uh, he's mentioned that he could make a decision after he has those in-home visits. If that were to happen, uh, you know, he makes that first commitment. All of a sudden you're at two spots, three spots. And then if you're in Nebraska, like, you, you got maybe – somebody out there you like more than others, or you have Dylan Jordan coming in this weekend. It just it makes it really interesting how they will have things play out. Dylan Jordan announces on Monday. So he's going to go on a Nebraska visit this weekend, outside linebacker out of Kansas, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, recently visited TCU, think he's been out to Utah. And he's going to go ahead and announce a decision. It looks pretty heavy to TCU, in my opinion, uh, with, with his you know, already wanting to make that decision. But Scott Frost, Eric Shenander stopped by. Uh, he's got a good relationship building with those guys, and he might get red carpet treatment this weekend. So to kind of simplify it, would you say 
I mean, would you say like Demarion Houston's a guy after Najoku if he does if he doesn't pan out? Is that what you're thinking? I think so. I mean, I I felt like because they went hard after Najoku in December. Mm-hmm. Troy Walters got up there several times. They made sure that he not only got an offer, but he knew that it was at wide receiver. That they set up that visit. Everything was kind of set up in December. To me, that tells me they have him higher on the board than Demarion Houston. Uh, I also think they look at it a little bit. Najoku fits a prototype that they don't necessarily have on the roster. Um, so I would I would venture to say that, but I'm not basing that off of anything other than just mm-hmm. reading the tea leaves a little bit. And then you look at outside backer, and basically you bring it to Dylan Jordan and Stephen Parker. And Sonny Fanua, the, the mm-hmm. junior college guy, but I think he's the least likely of the three. And then between Jordan and Parker, I think Parker is the most likely um, of those two. And Nebraska had, I think, a good visit with him the previous weekend. He hasn't hosted coaches this week, or that's what uh, he had mentioned to me on Tuesday. We'll see if that happens here, you know, whether Wednesday or Thursday before Nebraska comes back for the weekend. But I think they like Stephen Parker a lot. It looks like it's Nebraska-Kansas, and I think that's a battle that the staff should be able to win. And then cornerback, is there a name that maybe people aren't talking about that should be on the radar, like a Jamel Starks or something. Well, yeah, and that's one's fascinating because Jamel Starks is someone that, you know, I thought was going to commit after his visit for the Colorado game, and Nebraska was pushing him, and they didn't get anything out of him, and he's taking visits. He's going to Louisville this weekend. Uh, he's already been to NC State and, I believe, West Virginia. So then, you know, he's, he's making a choice out of that group, and it, it seemed like Nebraska wouldn't be necessarily the team but he, they're just hanging around, and they've kept in contact with him. They've shown interest in him, and it seems like, you know, if you were going to guess the top three of that board right now, I think you can make a pretty strong argument that Parker, Najoku, and, and Starks could be the, the top three. It's a pretty tidy setup, really. I mean, for this. If it pulls out that way. I mean, think about how they put this class together, and then you address those needs at the end. Mm-hmm. They're not life or death guys obviously Stephen Parker I think has the most potential in that group and they've liked Jamel Stark it's a long time but uh you don't get the sense that they're anybody that they're taking out of any of these guys would just be this massive reach at this point it's different right I mean like yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it, it's kind of weird to to see Nebraska be kind of in the power chair a little bit in terms of you know not having to really scrape the barrel to find guys the last couple weeks. And I mean, we saw that last year, though, too. I mean, there really wasn't a ton of scrambling to wrap up last year's class. And that was even, you know, after a you know a pretty short time of being in Nebraska. So I, it, I, I, we've talked about it. I go back to it again. But just the way that the staff handles their numbers, I think, has probably been the most impressive part of the way that they've recruited because – you know they're going to be right at that eighty. They're going to be a little bit over that eighty eighty five number. They're going to have to get down to that eighty five number, and you know I, that, that's just a nice change to to you know see. I think I heard you say this, Schaefer, and if it wasn't you, whoever said it, I think it's a good example. Would you say we're kind of the way it's set up now? It's basically like 
being in the fifth or sixth yeah. round of an NFL That's draft. How I view it, yeah. yeah. It's the best player kind of available mentality as you fill out the back end of the draft. And that's how I view the, uh, this cycle here is you're just trying to go get kind of the best guys that you can. Now, Nebraska still has some needs at outside linebacker, wide receiver, so that's part of it. But if they were to take, you know, three, four guys, those other couple spots, is it a Matthew Polamau that gives you another nose tackle? Is it you try to take both Demarion Houston and, and Charles Njoku and really attack the wide receiver spot? Does John Bivens give you something different at running back than what you already have? There's a reason these guys are coming in for visits, and it's not just as simple as, well, they want to have options at the end of it. I think Nebraska is trying to get as much information as they can before they have to really kind of figure this thing out as to how they want it to go. It's just not as simple as, well, we don't want this running back because we already have some other guys because they really like John Bivens. And I think that they would take him in most situations, but 2019 isn't proving to be most situations. It's 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 a cool setup. I mean, I, I like how that is now where it's kind of, you know, like in the fifth round of the NFL draft, for example, you're going to see teams that take some chances on guys, but yet it's still – it's still – that's where championships are won sometimes. You can get a Stephon Diggs yeah, in the can, fifth round. Yeah, I mean, that. so it's it's kind of a fun portion of it, really. Or uh, you can get a, a Terrell Davis, yep. the fourth-round running back. You can. He actually won a championship. Did he? Yeah. A couple of them? <laughs> Stephon Diggs did not. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I was, I was just citing people that are really good at their position that are still currently and playing football. Had so. to like, that's fair. Take out his harpoon and he's just dunking <laughs> on the Vikings a lot these days. I don't understand it. I'm just angry. He was doing it on Twitter the other day. Unnecessary. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I just I, I didn't understand. And after all three of us had such a great time on Sunday, watching the NFL games and enjoying everything that it had to offer, you would think that Brunts just wouldn't do that but did you have some hot takes on uh, overtime format that was what you were supposed to come out of sunday with if you're any i have maybe the blazingest (laughs) hottest possible take i think college overtime sucks well i don't think that's a hot take really i feel like people all the time oh the nfl needs to be more like college overtime i hate it you stick two teams at the 25 you eliminate special teams they barely have to move the ball before they can go ahead and put points on the board it like it just drives me nuts. Well, isn't isn't the best part of the college overtime the fact that both teams get the ball? I mean that that's I, that's what I always kind of thought that people were lauding whenever they talked about how great college overtime is. Not the well, I, feel I like, agree. The twenty five is way too. I easy. I feel like they think it's the best because of the stupid situations like LSU and Texas A and M. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I don't think that's particularly enjoyable. It. it people like it because it creates instant drama in the way that overtime doesn't generally do that. You know, I didn't think there was a ton of drama uh, with, you know, the Patriots getting the ball. There was some third downs, obviously, but it did feel pretty, you know, obvious what was going to happen. At least to me it did. But then again, being on the losing end of that result before, I'm kind of suspecting when my team's in overtime, they're not going to win the coin toss or score. So, yeah, they might miss three field goals. You never know. I think college should put the ball on the 40 or 45. Of the other side of the 50? No, uh, cl- on the other. Well, you don't teams. mind that there's no punting, there's no kickoffs, like that doesn't bother you at all. 
No, not really. Um, but I, w- I would like to... S- Brian Christopherson hates specialists. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I, I, you don't want to see him do anything. I I just think... I'm surprised you, you even like the fact that they can kick field goals. I they think if you moved it back 15 there. to 20 yards, you would cut down on... You would bring the specialists into it more because teams would have to settle for field goals more often because there's more distance they cover probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's just a thought. NFL, I like it how it is. Ever since they changed it to you got to win with a touchdown, and the reason I like it is I like the sudden death aspect of it where when you're watching that game Sunday, you're like, this thing can end just like that as opposed yep. to, okay, if the Patriots, you know, the other the Chiefs automatically get the ball back. Now, in that particular game, would have I loved to see Mahomes get a crack at it in overtime? Yeah, because, I mean, he's – been the star of football this year but um i think because of mahomes it's really made it a more of a topic than it needs to be you feel like if that was alex smith who didn't get the opportunity yeah, to answer it wouldn't have i don't think we'd care as much i mean whenever your team doesn't get the ball in an overtime loss you always have that initial reaction like this sucks but these things even out. There's going to be a game down the road where well, we team... saw it the same day i mean the saints got the ball first and they didn't score they threw it a pick I also like that in the NFL, you know, you got to get a touchdown to win. A field goal doesn't do it if you have the first drive. And I think it's going to, at some point in a playoff game, bring into a massive strategy into play where somebody's going to have to decide on like a fourth and one where they can kick a field goal. Um, no, we're going for it because we're going for the win, which would have been interesting on Sunday because I think Belichick would have went for it if it were like fourth and goal on the two or something. But obviously it didn't get to there because of our guy Rex Burkhead. Nebraska actually did that this year in overtime. They were they were going to go for it, and they had one. that penalty that moved them back, so then they were forced to kick the field goal, right, against Northwestern? No, they did go for it. It was the play where it was a bad snap. I thought that they – They got moved back on third down that's on right. a third and one, and then Spielman got hit just short, and then they uh, went for it as a bad that's snap. That's right, yeah. And it was a rough day for yeah. Nebraska football. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Chiefs lost, though. <laughs> yeah, back on them. Quit beating up on the Vikings over here. Yeah. I was happy to see. You don't have any overtime I, thoughts? I was happy to see Tom Brady get another crack at a Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't believe that in the slightest. <laughs> Having spent what I would consider to be my favorite championship Sunday that didn't involve the Vikings, which those have all been terrible, so none of them would qualify – Bruns and I once went and watched Broncos Patriots. Uh, is a championship Sunday. I want to say it was twenty fourteen. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was, a, it was the last the game year in Denver. Of, yeah, it was the last year yep. of uh, Peyton Manning, right? Mm-hmm. And the Broncos just kicked the crap out of Tom Brady and. Every single sack, it was just like lightning being shot through Brunts. Yeah. As he's just sort of like loudly celebrating and ready to just shit talk any Pats fan in the area. I was just, I was, I think he was offended that there weren't more Patriots fans at the establishment we were at. If there would have been guys in like Minuteman costumes in that bar, I would have just like (laughs) gone crazy. Like, I'm an emotional sports watch person. And I, I had never really been around Brunts when his team had like something going on and big on the line. So getting to experience that was pretty tremendous. 
How do you guys feel about loud clappers at sports bars? Yeah. Like, not, I'm not talking championship weekend. I'm talking like week seven, <laughs> you know, when there's like 15 games going on and you're at Brewskies or something, and some guy's got to let everybody in the sports bar know that his team just converted a third and six. Can't you know what, stand it. You know what's weird is I wouldn't do that in public, but at my own house, if nobody's around, I might be annoying without my clap. Well, that's okay. Yeah, but like I would never do that at a sports bar. I don't want to like bring attention to rooting for my team if I'm out in public sometimes. Especially our team. We just want to lay low, and maybe it's going to work out. That's why I don't like to go out to watch the Vikings ever. There was a it never goes well. There's a sports bar in California that was kind of like the alumni bar for like seven different teams, and there was always like one really sad Auburn fan, kind of like always right in front of this TV doing exactly that, like. You know, they complete a pass on third and six to beat Vanderbilt or something like that, and the guy's going crazy over there. Was he there. wearing a Jason Campbell jersey? Around that time, he probably would have been, yes. There's yeah. a former Washington Redskins great. Yeah, your guy. <laughs> You're one of your guys. <laughs> one of my guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Brian, you had a topic that you wanted to address here on the podcast. I thought it was loud clappers. (laughs) You got to it. (laughs) My bad. I guess you took care of that yourself. But we were kind of discussing before the podcast started about Nebraska's appearance on a lot of these lists and the expectations for next year. And I'm just kind of curious, as we sit here in January, Nebraska 25 to 1 odds to win the national championship. (laughs) Nebraska in a bunch of too early top 25s. What expectations would you have for the 2019 season before we even get to spring ball, before we even know who's going to be hurt, assuming whatever you want to assume going into next year? Right now, what do you think realistic expectations are for the Nebraska Cornhuskers? I think this is realistic. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think double the win total. Eight and four? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that you could just say reverse the records. Yeah, I think that's a very fair goal, and I think it's doable with their schedule set up the way it is. Although the schedule's not as some people are kind of making it out like this thing's just set up, you know, compared to the past. And I well, they, they have to win the games. Well, they had a nice home schedule last year. That's the thing people yep. forget. I mean, it, yes, it was a brutal road schedule, but it was actually set up to do really well at home and they blew some opportunities but yeah i think just setting a baseline goal right now that's fair is double the wins and i would guess if you said that to if uh mario verdusco were sitting here or somebody and you said what do you think of that you know just off the record they i think they would say yeah that's that's what we should do wouldn't you think maybe i don't know i i think that's to me that's fair so that's that's kind of how I view it right now in, in January of 2019, eight and four. You know, if, if someone just came to a Nebraska fan and said, you're going to go eight and four in 2019, I would think that more than 50% would be fine with that at this point. Um, I think that because they haven't shown that they can, I have a really tough time saying that they're going to go win the Big Ten West in their second year with this team particularly because I think the Big Ten and West is going to be really interesting next year, but also because I, I need to see them beat Wisconsin and Iowa before we even really have conversations about 
is this the type of year where Nebraska can go 10 and 2? I think that, you know, to use the brunt phrase that I've already borrowed once in the last seven days, I think they have that shot in their bag, but we haven't seen them come anywhere close in a while. So it's, it's hard for me to project much more than an 8 and 4 season right now. It's funny. Too. Certainly in January. If you look at some of those preseason rankings, too, um, you know, the Nebraska's quote unquote easy schedule actually does look pretty tough. I mean, if, yeah, you, if you're going off those rankings, I mean, you've got Minnesota that's going to be better, I think, next year than what they were. I think Wisconsin's going to be a little bit better, um, or at least you know, I, I don't think they're going to struggle nearly as much down the stretch as, as they will. Purdue, they've got some issues, but I, I feel like you know they're they're in that conversation. Northwestern won the division last year. Um, I mean, yes, you get Maryland is kind of a wild card game. You, you get them at the end of the year. You don't know what you're going to. You don't know what you're going to have there. It's a mystery I, flavor like you like. Yeah, it's, they're, they're the <laughs> they're the Arizona Cardinals hat of uh, the Big Ten. Um, so I mean that that that. Knowing all that, and then kind of comparing that with, oh well, you know, Nebraska is going to go ten and two based on the schedule that, like some people are saying, it's it's not going to be as easy. I don't think as as a lot of people are saying. Do you think some people are afraid around here? I was asked this on the radio, and I thought it was a decent question to Just set. Decent. No, a Just good cuts right through the question. Good question. Okay. Um, to set the expectation bar almost too high because because of the love for Scott Frost, to just put it simply. Like, you know, everybody, he's the guy. You know, they want – nobody really wants to be critical of him, I don't think. They would, they want to see it succeed. But there's almost that fear of, like, too quickly saying, oh, you're supposed to do this, and then he doesn't reach it, and you've done that. And I thought that was an interesting thought, at least, to think about. Yeah, I could – I mean, I could definitely see that. I think – for me personally, I am trying to figure out why in 2017 and even 2018, I was so far off from the type of seasons that they had. 2017 being, you know, its own sort of thing with its own kind of issues. But even last year, I thought that they could be a seven-win team. They went four and eight. And so as we sit here now and I say that I think they can be an eight-win team, I'm basing a lot of that off of the idea that Scott Frost has been a pretty big success in his career already because of what happened at UCF. I'm basing it off of the idea that they've got some playmakers that are going to develop over the next several months as we head into spring ball. So I I totally understand where that question comes from, but even if you have like a tempered expectation, you're still shooting pretty high, I think, right? Well, and I, I, the, it was Nick Baugh, I think, who asked it, and I think he got to it in the ne- the next point. With some of these early rankings, it kind of shoots up that expectation, yeah. and that was kind of what he was getting at. And I thought that was there's something to be said for that. There's kind of a rhythm to off-season expectations, right? Like mm-hmm. this time of year, you kind of start looking ahead, and you know, there's some people say, "Oh, the schedule looks." I, I think Nebraska can win eight or nine games, it's, and then this time of year, there's a little bit more pushback to, to that kind of stuff. Generally, you get post spring game. Everybody's kind of seen, seen the seen the squad a little bit and kind of where things are at. Some people might, you know, say, uh, you know, maybe they might win a, a game or two more than I thought. 
and you kind of get into the summer months, you start getting into July, you start talking about fall camp. It seems like expectations kind of ramp up a little bit more then. And maybe that's just, that's how I felt it's been the last few years. But this year, it just seems like we've kind of fast forwarded from like the, the January expectations to like July expectations. And I mean, I think Nebraska's going to be significantly better in year two, but I mean, I, I just, I, I get a little skittish too after, you know, thinking that 2017 is going to be a pretty good team and then, uh, you know, it not being that way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. In fairness to like last year when you guys are, when we were talking about making predictions and maybe overshooting, I think a big part of it was in Riley's last season, it was, you're looking at it like, okay, they went four and eight. And as bad as that team was, you were looking at individual games where they really should have beat Northern Illinois. And there was these, there were two or three other games where they had Northwestern up there up seven on them and inside the 20. So you're thinking like that team was, you know, trash on defense and it was, it was terrible to watch. And yet you easily could have seen them being six and six at least. Or so you're thinking, okay, they're at least going to do that with this new staff and all that. And I think in a way that's kind of what we're doing again is you're looking at last year's first six games and saying, well, they could have easily been three and three, you know, when they were own six. So I, that that's part of why people yeah. are like that. But they got to do it now. I mean, right. Well, that's that's just it. And I I think I gave them the benefit of the doubt in both 2017 and 2018. And now I almost wonder if I'm over or over correcting a little bit uh, to that. But no doubt we'll have plenty of time to hash and rehash this particular conversation. Bruns, is it time to discuss? What the hell happened in New Jersey? Should, should we talk rankings first? Oh, you want to you want to push basketball yeah, even we, further down we, the board? We, we can we can collect ourselves for that. Let's talk yeah, rankings talk real rankings. quick. You can you take it away. So, twenty four seven sports uh, reshuffled its uh, top two hundred and forty seven players in the rankings, and a couple uh, big movers, uh, Nebraska signees of note that. Uh, Moved a lot. Wondell Robinson uh, finishes up at number 40 overall in the country uh, with his ranking. So he basically went from, uh, was it 117? Is that where he was headed into the uh, All-American Bowl to number 40? Yes, Just 77 spots. 32, five stars. He was number 40. Um, not bad. And, and one of the... That, would that make him the highest? I think Aaron, uh, Aaron Green was higher, right? By the time he was, at least according to 24-7 Sports, wasn't he in the 30s? He was like close to. Yeah, that sounds right. He wasn't a five-star, but. Pretty close to it. Yeah. And Nick Henrick, the linebacker, stayed in the top 100. Um, Number 92. Bryce Benhart went down. Um, 122. He's down to like 121, I think. Noah Gates up 20 spots to number 134 overall. And uh, Ty Robinson up to 160 overall after a strong uh, All-American Bowl. Darian Chase basically just got leapfrogged by people that were ranked higher than him. He didn't change ratings-wise, but he's down to number 200. So pretty good haul for Nebraska um, in, in, the, in the top 247. Guys are still outside of that could be re-ranked up until signing day they'll be looking at guys but 
Uh, what, what do you kind of make of those rankings? Um, did you bring your tinfoil hat? Because I've been using that a lot on Twitter today. Um, what do you make of that? Uh, Obviously, I, you didn't bring the tinfoil hat because you got your runs a hat on. I think that, you know, based on what Wandale did in San Antonio, it's not a surprise that he moved up. I know that a lot of our evaluators down there really liked what he was doing during the practices, and he certainly showed in that screenplay in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl, you know, the kind of explosiveness that he has. And it's also the perfect storm. I mean, he's coming right off of the heels of Rondale Moore and his explosion in the Big Ten. Another similar frame, similar talented wide receiver that people might have argued wasn't rated high enough by 24-7 sports. So it's, it's almost just like the perfect storm that the next guy that looked like that, who also happens to be from Kentucky, and is also going to the Big Ten, uh, and also lit up the Army or the All American Bowl. I mean, so it 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 kind of all makes sense as to why he had the bump that he did. Bryce Benhart, I'm not worried. I mean, I I think that even if he slid down the way that he did, I mean, I I think that's a guy who the last time the evaluator saw him was 20, 30 pounds lighter than what he's going to be when he plays for Nebraska. I think he has a real shot at being the right tackle in 2019. I'm going to be very curious, you know, when he gets here, how hard they push him right away into that or if they try to ease into it or, or what it looks like. I think we'll actually know a lot about what their offensive line plans are when we're going through the spring about what happens with Matt Farniok. Do they move him into guard right away or do they keep him out at tackle because they don't know if, you know, Ben Hart can take that job. So moving from there, Nick Henrich can't really go up when he didn't get a chance to finish his senior year, but he didn't fall down much either. And he's someone that, you know, I kind of forget because we talk about these guys out of the state. We talk about, you know, Ben Hart, Wandale, Ty, Noah, Darian Chase. Henrich is a really, really talented player. And this staff, I think, is very excited to have him, and he can help as early as this next year. All of these guys – could all play as freshmen. I think Ty Robinson is the least likely, but it wouldn't surprise me if all six of them, you know, get in and and play in this 2019 year. Well, they have, I mean, Henrik has to, I, I think. He or Hannah, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, and I, I think that, you know, they've got the right guys on campus early uh, at positions where, where they're going to be needed. Um, well, think about how many needs they covered in those six. Right. You get a dynamic playmaker in Wandale Robinson. You fill an area of big need at inside linebacker. You go get a defensive back that I would argue might be the most talented player of these six in Noah Pola Gates. You get a, another bigger body wide receiver in Darian Chase, who had a tremendous finish to his high school season. Uh, and I think Nebraska is pretty fired up about. And then you have a versatile defensive lineman that you know might fill defensive end right now and could grow into being a nose tackle by the time he leaves in a few years. So, and a potential four-year starter on the offensive line. I mean, it's hard to not be excited about the top end of this class. I think. I mean, you got six really good guys there, and there's some people that aren't mentioned in this group that I would have considered would be part of the top two four seven if I was doing it. Yeah, I, I I think a guy that's 
I mean, we've got him at 200, but I think he's still undervalued for what he is just based on where he's located and, you know, probably not getting enough eyes on him as Darian, Darian Chase. I, I think he's an extremely talented player. On, I could be on either side of the ball, but I think with his size, he's a guy that, you know, Physical is, too. is going to get a chance to uh, play early. I mean, he's size-wise pretty similar to about what Stanley Morgan was yep. uh, when he came in. So I, I think he's definitely one to watch. I liked it as good as all these players are. It doesn't feel like any of them are the type of guys who are just like all about the hype either. I mean, it comes to them. Like it comes to Wandale because of what he's done, but it doesn't feel like that. He feeds into it. Yeah. You, I, I've noticed that with this class in particular. It doesn't feel like it's full of those guys who are all about like, you know, pumping their chest all the time. And I, I kind of like that. Do you think that represents who the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers is in a little bit? Oh, I think it's a big part of it. I I think, and I think that's why there was no uh, very little drama really in December. I mean, it was basically these guys. I mean, Wandale had the deal where he changed his mind, but it, you know, most of these guys who were committed, it was just, yep, that's who I'm staying with, and there it was without without any. Uh, shake up well now is it time to talk yeah. some some new jersey nightmares i think we're it's that time some uh rutger runs i guess i don't know what else to call it what did you think i think springsteen wrote about it what song i don't know is this the first ever springsteen reference on the podcast nope no we did we got into it one time where we we I, if I remember right, this isn't as big as Springsteen crowd. That I was going to say, the, yeah. I don't think that anybody in here is a uh, falls into the, the joking category of you know sports writers and Springsteen. Yeah, I'm surprised we get press passes, frankly. <laughs> That's probably why we haven't spoken about it a lot. Just get lots of side eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Okay, Brunt, what happened? Walk us know. through it. I don't know. Explain it. Give us all the detail. How did a team that was basically looked like they were on their way to a 25-point win lose by nine? Well, they gave that 15-point lead back in about two and a half minutes. It was a 13-point lead. Or 13-point, excuse me. So, what, six possessions is all it took? Yeah, it was, uh, it was impressive. Nebraska had two shots during that time. It was... I mean, you can say that Michigan State beat them twice. I don't know that that's true. Um, but Not when you're up 13 points in the first half on another some, team. But some of the – like we've seen stretches of basketball this year where it seems like Nebraska just goes into like space-out mode. Like just throwing balls away, everybody just standing around watching the guy with the ball dribble. Um, just, you know – You've got a, a late situation where you need to get a rebound. Two guys come down with the rebound. They fumble it. And the guy picks it up. It, it's it was one of those games where it just it was just, it almost got progressively worse. Like and even when Nebraska tied it up late, like what kind of confidence did you have that they were going to make a play to pull that out? I mean, maybe James Palmer makes a shot there, but it just seemed like there was absolutely nothing that would have given you confidence with the way that they played over that last 10 minutes of the second half that they were going to pull out and escape a win, escape with a win. When they tied it at 67, I thought to myself, they're somehow going to win this game. And 
it'll be good because that's all they have to do at this point. Just get the one point victory and move on. And instead, it was just full on meltdown. I like I don't want to make any excuses for that game, and I don't believe that it was Michigan State that beat them. I don't know if it was tired legs or you know the culture of the team or whatever it was. They just they played really bad, and they didn't really deserve to win, even if they had pulled one out. What's interesting to me is that that game we didn't see that last year from them when they won twenty some games. I don't recall a performance that looked like that. And the closest might have been when James Palmer had to pull him out of the fire against Illinois with that three-pointer. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, uh, so that I guess that's a little concerning to me is that they looked they looked as bad as I think they have in two years. And it it's the stuff that you kind of talked about. It's Roby throwing the ball away. You know, between the Michigan State game and the Rutgers game, he probably had to have had like nine turnovers. And um, it's Copeland and Palmer just dribbling it off of random body parts. It's not being able to hit shots from a foot away. I mean, Thomas Allen missed a layup where it went over the rim and never touched the backboard. And, I mean, Glenn Watson missed a fast break layup where maybe he got body checked a little bit, but he still got to put that in. I mean, they were 9 of 18 at the rim in that game. And then, yeah, I mean, I, you might have mentioned it, and I was blacking out because the performance was so bad, but they were atrocious from the free throw line. 10 of 18. I mean, you, you can't have that. Palmer, as good as he was against Michigan State down the stretch at the line, was equally as terrible in Piscataway. I, I just don't, I don't get why... They performed the way that they did, but you know what? Sometimes it's just not your night, and I think I'm more likely to chalk it up to that than I am that this is the start of some sort of falling apart for this Nebraska basketball team. They frankly haven't had a lot of breaks go their way the last two games. When you watch, it felt like they had about nine three-pointers between the two contests that did not go down and rattled and then spun out. Uh, even the ones Copeland was taking late, they weren't like they were bad looks. They just wouldn't go down for him. And, and sometimes you need some breaks to go your way. They got one when Palmer hit the three-pointer at the end of the first half. But it just feels like they, they've had some bad luck. But I don't think this is going to be emblematic of a falling apart. Because I, I just don't think they're this, this team. Because I don't think we've seen it in two years. I think it's hard sometimes to kind of get out of the echo chamber of like Nebraska basketball, social media. When, you just got to quit Twitter. When there's a game like that. Like I, I understand that, you know, ne- Nebraska basketball more than any sport in the, the pantheon of Husker athletics. It's just such a pendulum game to game based on how things go. And, you know, I, I, th- I'll be curious to see how they play against Ohio state on Saturday because Ohio state's a, a a good team when they play well, they can go on the road and win. And, you know, to, to me, the, the stretch of games is, is kind of a, a temperature test of where Nebraska's at mentally, because that that's more of what it is to me than anything is more of the mental side for them right now. I mean, you, you're getting into a stretch of games where with six of your next seven, you're probably favored. You have to pile up wins right now. And, you know, you, you, to kind of come out and, and play, I mean, Michigan State's a good team, but Nebraska definitely hurt themselves offensively with their, their inability to hit shots at the rim. 
and then the effort they had against Rutgers. I mean, you, you got to get right mentally in a hurry, I think, because you've got Ohio State on Saturday morning at 11, followed by Wisconsin on Tuesday at home, which is going to be another tough game, but a winnable game. So, you know, you, you need to get something figured out in a hurry. And, I mean, that my other concern is just bench depth. Like, I, I, I don't know – you know, Nebraska's big five are going to have to play a lot of minutes. They're going to have to score a lot of points because I don't, I don't really see some magic potion sitting there on the bench that's going to give you 15 a night. Like, it's just not going to happen. Well, one of the problems is they've had some bad luck, too, with, like, Amir Harris has, you know, he's out for how many weeks was it? Um, Basically, like, Creighton game to... Yeah. Came back for Penn State. You know, Penn State, yeah. Nana was... Has, been out at times and so these are guys that you they're not like the central focus of your team but they're guys that you would have liked to have had some some minutes under them before now and they don't have them and so now they're they're being thrown in this fire where there's you know you're in the pressure cooker of your season and you're calling on those guys to give you seven eight quality minutes and you know I, I thought they were trying, but they're not there yet, and I think it showed in that game. And I mean, it's not it's not over. I I know right after I saw some of the posts, and it's like, oh, these guys are only gonna win two or three more games. It's like, calm down. That was a really bad loss. If this team can take care of business at home, they'll be fine. But that's that's the thing. Can they lock up the vault now? You have five of the next seven. Win at least four of those five at home. Um, you know, they have two of their next three road games, too, are Illinois and Penn State. Those are games you can get. So it, it's it's there for them. And Nebraska's not the first team to go into New Jersey and lose a game like that either. So they the year that Wisconsin played the national championship game, they lost out there. They've taken Michigan State late and close. They, they did beat Ohio State this year. Yeah, they beat Ohio State. They beat Maryland. I mean, they're not a team without – I mean – uh, Geo Baker, very good player. He wasn't even the one that I felt like beat Nebraska on Monday. It was uh, it was Johnson inside, and then it was the uh, twenty three. I think his name I can't remember. So I I thought Rutgers played well. They played hard. A uh, little bit disappointing to see Nebraska lay that kind of an egg. But I'm with you, Brian. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's the end of anything. Where I do worry about them though is on the road in Big Ten play. Not it's, good. Well, they, I mean, the Indiana performance obviously are in control, but every other road game, it feels like the last 10 minutes in particular, they cannot get a stop. I mean, if you go back through all of those games. They led all of them by double I mean, digits. the Minnesota game, I feel like Minnesota scored on offense about for five minutes straight, and I'm, that might be accurate. Um, like every possession in that game, Maryland, it felt like was getting what they wanted late and Rutgers the same way. Like it, it was just like, they're getting, if they're getting second chance opportunities when it was tied at 67, Nebraska actually initially got a stop, looked like they had a chance for a rebound. And that felt like one of those points in the game where you get the ball, you get the stop there, you know, yeah, the you go ahead yeah. and, and then the pressure's on them and, and they couldn't get it. That's interesting. Cause I mean, you, Nebraska even against Rutgers, I mean, they went to the one three one, which has kind of been their their changeup that's worked so well, and it just nothing. Like yeah, the, I don't the energy in that one three one is wasn't particularly good. 
overhelping. Just, yeah. it, just not. It, it was weird watching. I mean, when they beat it that one time by just throwing three passes across the court to each other, and then the one guy's like, oh, lob dunk. Yeah. When you see that, it's just kind of like, okay, this is this night is off. Yeah. No matter what. They haven't looked like that at all. So uh, we'll see. I mean, if they come out and they struggle again Saturday, then I think it's a little more nail-biting time. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, that's just the, the thing that's so interesting, though, because you, you go on the road, and I, I think, Indi- like I said last week, I don't think Indiana's as good as maybe they're being, being made out to be, but you go on the road and basically kick the crap out of Indiana for 40 minutes and then just look, you know, listless against a Rutgers team. That That's yeah. – which one's the real Nebraska? We're going to find that out. We may not find out ever. We might never know which one's real. Both? They Jekyll and hide this thing to a 10-10 and 10 record, and they go into the NCAA tournament. I mean, how are we to know what's going to be real? That's true. And if they Jekyll and hide this thing, Nebraska fans will be happy because, you know. It's still the NCAA tournament. Which what's, is what what's the line to gain, about. do you think, in league play? Like, if you were to put a line, like, a, you're watching the NFL, is it 10 and 10? I think 10 and 10, That's and I think I... that they have the strength numbers-wise this year that they could maybe even go 9 and 11. Mm-hmm. But I, I really think they got to get to 10 wins, which I... this was an important one because it gives you back one more opportunity if you lose at home. Now, you know. You got Illinois. Maybe you can win at Wisconsin, but there's not a lot of winnable road games left. Yeah, because I mean they had they had felt like they had picked one up. Yep. Uh, against Indiana. Yep. They were, and so they then were you ahead. added Rutgers, and then you go and you beat Illinois, and all of a sudden, you know that You're ten and ten looks ahead. pretty, pretty likely. But yeah. Instead, they get Ohio State coming to town, who need to win too. Yep. The Buckeyes don't look great. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird. That's what this conference does. It makes you say that about every team. Michigan didn't look great last night against Minnesota. Michigan looked bad against Wisconsin. And Minnesota, Wisconsin's getting the doors blown off itself. Minnesota goes and loses by like thirty on the road to, to Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, God. it's just a tough conference. People forget that. I don't think anyone's forgot it, but I appreciate you working in the important line there. Yep. Well, is it time for when I awkwardly close out the show? Are yep. you ready for that? Yes. All right. Well, everybody should check out Husker247.com. we got tons of content. we got the recruiting stuff. Junior Day's coming up. Next week, there'll be a ton of 2020 content focused on the next cycle. Who could be the next Wandale Robinson or Bryce Benhart or Nick Henrich? Or any of these people. Brunt's is shaking his head because we don't have that listed on our budget. And There's just so much so much info. I'm just shaking yeah. my head in disbelief. It's exciting. I yeah. know. We'll have uh, we'll have some other stuff for you as well. There might be some profiles on some guys that are already in the class. There could be some other fun stuff. Plus, there'll be basketball. And, you know, if Nebraska loses, what better way to spend your weekend than at Husker 24-7 Sports complaining about what the hell happened to this team? We look to see you there, win or lose, this weekend.